How are y'all? Y'all happy? Y'all have anything happen this week? Y'all have any stuff happen? <laughs> stuff happens, right? All right, let's put all the stuff at one time. You know, like you got cookie dough, we're going to water Y'all get your stuff together. Huh? Oh, you're worried if we don't have stuff. Okay. Well, I, I understand. That's, you're a good word person. But everybody got some stuff, right? If you don't have no stuff, it's because you're not doing anything. <laughs> it's because the enemy don't see you as any kind of threat at all. <laughs> right? Now, how many of y'all got some stuff? All right, get your stuff together. You got it all of your hands? You ready? You ready? Yeah. Now you got your fishing hook. Get your, get your fishing pole. Yeah. Put all that stuff on that hook. Mm -hmm. Bill, show them how to put it on the hook. They, they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> See, like that right there? Now show us how to cast that thing real good on the count of three. Mash the button, he said. <laughs> One, two, three. Don't wait for a bite. <laughs> you cu cut the line, he said. Just go ahead and cut the line. If you cut the line, you win. You don't want to catch nothing nor clean nothing. <laughs> the Bible says, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Amen. So how many of y'all did that? How many of you cast all your care? Amen. Who's got it? How much does he have of it? How much you got? That makes you what? Carefree. Now tell your face about it. <laughs> Amen. Well, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. We'll go back there. We've been talking about some things. Philippians chapter 4. We won't go back to say all we said for a couple services, but... Um, We want to say some of this as we go forward today. Philippians chapter 4 says, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Oh, excuse me. I must have a wrong translation. Oh, that's the reverse translation, not the revised. The, the reverse. No, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And again, Paul said, Rejoice. This is not a suggestion. This is not option. This is a commandment by the Holy Ghost through, written through the Apostle Paul. Rejoice in who? See, no matter what the circumstance is, he says you, you can rejoice in the Lord. Because Ephesians says we're strong. Well, how? In the Lord and you're strong in whose, in whose might? His might. So you may not feel strong, but he says you are strong in him. So he tells us in Ephesians to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Here he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Verse 6 says, verse 6 says, be careful for nothing. That word's a little bit hard to understand. But other translations says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, someone say everything. everything. Not some things, but everything, right? By prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. Anybody here thankful? Well, that's most of you. Hallelujah. The rest of you can come right along here in just a few minutes. <laughs> be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 
He said, and then the peace of God which passes your understanding. That's the thing up here. This is that thing that's, you know, yeah. He says, the peace of God will pass this noodle up here. And he said, the peace of God will come into your heart, into your mind. It'll keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Then he gives some simple instructions, but most time, uh, even though they're so simple, we can complicate them so easily. In verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just and pure and lovely and of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think or focus or meditate on these things. Now, why would Paul have to tell us to focus our attention on things that are good, pure, loving, and good report? Because the analytical mind wants to focus on the, ne uh, on the negative. You know, the, the news sells. In, you ever watch the news, local or national? What do you think the uh, portion of the bad news to good news is? Negative news travels so much faster, doesn't it? <clears throat> you ever just... Watch the 30-minute newscast, you just one praise report after the other? <laughs> wow, that's Christian TV, maybe. <laughs> and, and you can't even watch all Christian TV and get that, can you? Yeah. And so uh, he said, if you'll focus your mind, you'll focus your attention, let your request be made known unto God. He said, God's going to release peace into your heart and your mind, but you'll have to focus, you'll have to put all your attention on the things that are true. Well, God's true. God's honest. God's pure. God's loving. God's a good report, right? Yeah. He said, then think or focus on these things. Next verse is those things which Paul said, the things that you have seen and learned and received and heard in me, he says, do them. In other words, as an example, he said, you've watched me, you've learned, you've received, you've heard me, I've taught you. He said, if you'll do these things, the God of peace shall be with you. I can only tell you my experience, but in 20 one years of ministry last month and in this starting 22nd year, this month starts 22nd. The number one thing that, that I've been asked to pray for in 21 years, pretty much in whether it's corporate prayer or, or people coming um, maybe up for prayer, they'll say, we just pray that I will have the peace of God. That's the number one thing. They're asking for peace. But he said, here, here's how, here's how you get peace. Now watch here. Verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. How? Greatly. That now at last your care of me have flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you might have lacked opportunity. Verse 11, Paul said, I'm not speaking in respect of want, for I, Paul said, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content I know how to be abased. I know how to live when I'm abounding. Everywhere in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So Paul really says, so what I want you to understand is I can do all things. Next verse. I can do all things. We need to say that. I can do all things. Say it two more times. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The scripture says the Lord is a very present help in time of trouble. Huh? But it also warns us that if our strength is small, the day of adversity, the enemy is going to have his way. So if you're focused on the, happen, the happenings, the stuff, you know, 
You can have, everyone has stuff. We talked about that. But everyone here has something here that's working wonderful. You say, well, I'm in pain, or I'm this, or I'm this, or I got that. I've always said, how's your right eyebrow? <laughs> Is it in pain? Huh? Do, do you have one piece of hair that's not hurting? <laughs> you say, well, that's crazy. I, I, I'm just trying to change your focus. Right? We can take you somewhere else in the world, and we'll show you real hurt. Huh? So Paul said, I, I know what it's like to live abased, and, and he says, and I know how to live in prosperity. I've lived when everything's abounding. Now, we all prefer to abound. Anyone here just loves to abase? To go out with needs unmet? But we like to abound, right? But Paul said, I've been full and I've been hungry. I've been clothed and I've been naked. And he says, and I've learned how to deal with these situations. In verse, in, in going back up to verse 11, in, in one translation it's here in the King James, it says, not that I speak, speak in respect to want, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. That's not saying if you're sick, just be content with it. Other translations, it said, he says, I have learned, no matter what the situation is, to live independent of, the, of, of my circumstances. Did you hear that? I've learned how to be independent of my circumstances. Why can, it be, why can he be independent of his circumstances? Because he's become dependent on the Lord. You know, sometimes churches are called, maybe like us, non-denominational, or they like, to, they like to use the term, we're independent. In other words, we're not a mainline denomination. Well, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I guess I just don't like that terminology. Because I'm not independent. I'm, I'm very dependent on the Lord. I don't know about you. And I know they're not saying they're not. But I just don't like the terminology. So, so we're not an independent church. We're very dependent. We're dependent on one another. I'm really dependent on the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so uh, he said, I have learned no matter what state I'm in, even if I'm in Mississippi. Oh, that's not the state. Somewhere. He said to be what? Independent of these circumstances. Now, uh, go to John 17, the Gospel of John 17. It's on page 155. If you have a Bible, just like mine. And while y'all turn there, I've got to pull something up. I want to read you. I forgot to read you. So while you turn there, let me read just a little story. So it says there's this overweight businessman associate who decided it was time to shed some excess pounds. He took his new diet seriously. He did this by changing his driving route to avoid his favorite bakery. Uh-oh. But one morning he arrived at work carrying a gigantic coffee cake. All his coworkers scolded him but he still remained joyful. He said, this is a very special coffee cake. He said, I accidentally drove by the bakery this morning, and there in the window were a host of goodies. I felt this was no accident, so I prayed, Lord, if you want me to have one of those delicious coffee cakes, let me have a parking place directly in front of the baker. And sure enough, he continued, and only the eighth time around the block, it was there. <laughs> See? 
He was thinking on those things that are good and taste good. <laughs> He's probably full gospel. John 17, 14. Jesus said, I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I've given the world your, I've given this world your word, and I've given your disciples, these men, I've given them your word. And he said, the world hates them because they're not of this world. And I, I really want you to get a hold of that this morning, that you are in this world, but you're not at all from here. Now, I, I, you say, no, I was born over in, no, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I, I, I know you was born, maybe not on this, on, on this uh, in this state, but maybe you were, I don't know, but uh, we're, all, we're all on earth, as far as I know, right? Yeah. And if, if anyone's visiting from another planet, we're glad to have you here this morning. <laughs> and uh, you can get this on YouTube if y'all can get that on your planet. Uh, but he said, we're, we're, we're in this world. He said, but you need to remember, this is not your home. You know, a lot of times when people talk about someone going home, that's what they call it. What do they mean that? Because if you're born again, you're a Christian. Heaven is your eternal home. There's different adjectives used in the Bible. talks about we're pilgrims, we're, we're strangers. We just kind of came here for a while. We're, we're, we're just here on a visit. You say, a visit? Um, yeah, this is a visit. I mean, you don't, you don't think this is a long time to the Lord, do you? You say, well, I know people who's lived to be 100. Me too. Remember Miss Isora when she was still alive? She came here. She was 102. And uh, I asked her one day when she was 100 to pray for me. She said, what you want to pray for? I said, long life. I figured you believe that one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she prayed, and I said, you got any advice to how to live 100? Yeah, she said, don't, don't take nothing about yourself too serious. She, uh, when, when, when she was married and, 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 and had children and, and uh, such as that, she said, and she was a school teacher. She says, you know, she says, she said, read the scriptures. She said, trust God and stay happy. She said, don't, don't let stress enter into your mind. She said, it'll be poison to your body. Well, medical science knows that now, right? Medical science has, is beginning to affirm that the Bible is true. Imagine that. Huh? Did you know truth, very true, there, I don't know what exactly what they call them, but, but some, some of them are called joy clinics. Did you know that? That people with diseases, actual diseases, who medical science has no cures for, they go to places and they bring in all forms of entertainment, so, you know, such as comedians and all such things. Just, it's just called laugh therapy because your body... Uh, inherently has all these chemicals and toxins which sometimes turn cancerous and begins to develop in your body and people are, are dying of cancers. And they've had, they've had uh, uh, case after case where people have, have been uh, cured through nothing more than just laugh therapy. Once again, I'm saying, confirming that they find out the Word of God is true, where it says the, the Word of God is like medicine and it's health to all your flesh. And, and that the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? And, and in his fullness, there's fullness of what? Joy. And the Bible says that Jesus 
was the happiest person. He was, a, he was anointed with the oil of joy, and he was it says, happier than any of his fellows. Can you imagine that? Hallelujah, Jesus was happy. You, you, did you know heaven's going to be a happy place? Oh, yeah. Did you know it's going to be fun? You don't think God wants to hang out with someone and not have no fun, do you, for eternity? Right? So, so get ready for a lot of fun and a lot of joy. See, I've always thought we need some heaven to go to heaven in. So if you got something bearing down on you, forget about it. Remember, it's in the sea. Then you cast it on your hook while ago. Yeah, well, quit, quit trying to haul it in. I'm talking about all your past mistakes, too, and your failures. Well, I know y'all don't have none, but we all have brother-in-laws, right? And sister-in-laws, so, so them. But, but I, no, we, we, we all have that stuff. And so you, you, the Bible says that God has removed your past as far as the east is from the west. That's a long haul. And he remembers them no more. Now, your brother-in-law remembers them, but he doesn't remember them, right? Now, I'm going to say something that's, if you're real religious, you're going to get upset. Religion will, will rear its head right now if you're religious. Grandma would grandma tell you when you've done something wrong, she said, God going to get you for that. You know, there's a song that's called that. You can go to YouTube and God, God's going to get you for that. If God was going to get you, he done got you. Huh? And if you're a believer in Christ, you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> Amen. Did, did, did you know the Lord ain't looking at you anyway? You know what he's looking at? He's looking at Jesus. Now, if we was talking about the Old Covenant in the Old Testament, what I would just said is not true. Well, actually, what I was going to say to stir up the religion was a little bit is God don't even have a book to write sins in for believers. I can bear that out with the scripture. Or I, otherwise, I wouldn't have said it. You know, you just don't say stuff to people. Well, this will sound great. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess people do it, but I got to answer for what I say. So I'm, I'm thinking all the time before I say something. And no, but there's under the old covenant would be where they would have to bring a lamb or a goat or a bull or a calf or whatever to the high priest, uh, in some cases daily, but everyone yearly. And, that, and they would have to tell the priest all their sins. We have some, quote, religions that does that now, go, you know, goes into a booth and tells them all that, right? But, we, but that was just the way it worked. And the, the priest would, would be a type and shadow of the priest that we have now to come. But the, but the system had fault with the Hebrew said. And so that's why God did away with the system and brought Jesus. But then you would have to go to the high priest and you'd have to tell him, well, since I was here last year, and you'd have a whole list of stuff. And then what he would do is he would take your, your sacrifice, and before he killed it for the blood to be put on the seat, what he would do uh, is he would examine, examine closely, very closely your sacrifice to see if it was perfect enough to be a, a, a sacrifice for your sins, not to eliminate them, but just to cover them. See, it wouldn't eradicate your sins, and it wouldn't even, and it wouldn't even purge your conscience of it. 
So when you left there, you still wouldn't just know that, well, I've been forgiven for a year, but, I mean, God just kind of covered this stuff up. See what I'm saying? See, in, in the Hebrew says, in our, in our covenant, he's purged our conscience from dead works because we don't, we don't have a past. I'm talking up to this very moment. I'm talking up to this second. You don't have a past. You say, I used to be. All right, we'll leave it there. Well, back when I was, well, this ain't back then. This is now. Yeah, but yesterday, that's gone. This morning, about 7 o'clock, gone too. Well, I was really good. We don't, we don't care about that either. See, Wednesday, we was kind of joking, but we're going to have a righteous party Wednesday. That's why we got some pizza coming. And if you don't like pizza, bring something righteous. <laughs> Amen. Ice cream always passes the righteous test. <laughs> See there? I knew y'all was here somewhere. <laughs> well, so, so there is no past here, see? And the Bible says that Jesus took all your wrongdoing that was in the book, and what recorded that was the, the Mosaic Law, which is the 613 commandments plus the Ten Commandments. That's what people broke, right? Now, this makes people really mad. You're, you're not under the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments was only given to the Jews. Are you Jewish? They didn't belong to the world. They belonged to the Jews. And Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, not isolated, Scripture after Scripture tells you that Jesus came and He fulfilled all the commandments to the very jot and tittle. He fulfilled all of them for you, but He did it for you in your stead as if you did it. In other words, He did it, but you got the credit for doing it. So you were unrighteous, but because you received Him, what He did was righteous, and because you believe that, you became the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. That means the very righteousness of God has been birthed into your spirit, and Ephesians says you are sealed with that righteousness, with Jesus Christ in you, and you are wall-to-wall -wall Holy Ghost on the inside. You are justified. You have been acquitted from your past. And you have been declared a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you in your spirit, not in your mind, because it goes flaky sometimes. And in your body does crazy things. But in your spirit, you are identical to the Lord and Master Jesus Christ. Amen. Why? Because it wasn't a, an ex-brand of righteousness. It's His righteousness that you became righteous with. So when the devil comes to attack you, if you know who you are, he knows that he doesn't know if he's attacking you or Jesus because you are one with him. So if you know who you are and he comes to attack, say, if you feel leapy, dude, leap. Huh? Why? Because he's not attacking you. He's trying to, he'll have to attack the greater one on the inside of you. Colossians said that he, Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, he spoiled all principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and all the wicked spirits, and he made a parade of them when he was raised from the dead. He said, and then he took all those things that was contrary to you and he nailed them to the cross. What did he nail to the cross? He nailed the book. He nailed the Mosaic law. He, he, the, the, the book of all the mistakes and all the failures that we've had for all mankind, he took that book and finished it, and he nailed it to the cross. Many translations said he nailed the book to the cross, and he, and, and he says, and he closed the book and closed out the count and has no other book. 
Woo. Seventy, y'all got happy about that. So Grandma said, God's watching you. Glory to God. So he said, you're not of this world. 14, I've given them the, the word. The world hated them because they're not of the world, because I'm not of this world. He said, I pray, this is the night before he's crucified, I pray that you should take them, not take them out of the world, but you will keep them from the evil. Now look at verse 16 and get this. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now, having said all that, we can get into our, te our text. You're not of this world. But you've been sent here. And you've been called here. And you've been given a plan and a purpose and a position. Uh, you don't have to turn there. You don't have to go there on the screen. But, but Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that live in it. God owns the earth. And, that's, and it's just a very small place to him. Very small. Very small. But have you ever heard anyone say, well, I, I own earth. No, you, you don't know anyone that rich. God says, I own all the earth and everything in it is mine. And it's just one little bitty planet out of billions of galaxies. But that's where we are. And when, when he gave us this, he said, he gave, it, he gave us this, he gave us this, and he created the earth in the beginning as a replica of heaven and wanted us to occupy it and to enjoy it and to enjoy the creation. Well, that's what we do now. If we, we rent a house, we buy a house, whatever we do, we come in and we rent it, we occupy it. If we want to, we change the colors on the walls, right? Whatever color you like. Change floor covering if you want to. Do what you want to. Put some new furnishings in it. You, you, you come in and you occupy. In other words, you take over. Legally, the landlord, if, you're, if the rent's paid, he can't come in and see the new picture you put on the wall. Because this is your home right now. The rent's paid up. Well, we're here to occupy. We're here to fill the earth. Is that right? So we rent the house. And then we stick up a mailbox, we plant flowers, like I said, paint the living room, whatever choice that you want to. In other words, we take complete dominion. The next door neighbor can't come over and play marbles in, in your dining room floor and they can't wash fluffy in your bathtub. Why? It's yours. It's occupying. That's what God said in Genesis 1.26. Don't have to turn there either, but God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So when God made you in his likeness, he didn't make you to look exactly like him in the sense of this is how he dresses and this is his favorite shirt and this is where he parks his hair. That's not what he's talking about. He, it, the likeness means he, he made you to function just like him, to have authority and dominion just like him. Remember, let us give him dominion and authority. So he made you in his likeness to function like him. I like to say it this way. If you're not functioning like God, you are malfunctioning. And I learned on Sesame Street years ago, conjunction, junction, 
What's your function? I better leave it right there. That's because we're a recreated spirit. And we are to live in agreement with and in harmony with the originator. And we do that by faith. Now, uh, where can we go to? We're going we're gonna to look at a few things this morning and uh, in our time left. Because if, if we're not of this world, did y'all get that? We're here, but we're not from here. We're here, but we're not from here. But we're here to occupy, we're here to have dominion, we're here for plan, we're here for purpose. And then, it, and it's going to work out two ways. In your lifetime, Jesus is going to come get you, or you're going to go see him. I haven't saw anything else worked out that way. There was a couple people that he, that he took. You know, we know about Elijah, we know about Enoch and such as that, so, so he took them. Everyone else, he didn't take anybody else. He receives them. Edith, he took. And so uh, either he's going to come or we're going to go. But until then, we're supposed to occupy. In other words, we're supposed to take over. Y'all have a takeover spirit here this morning? Amen. If we're going to be in this world but not of this world, then one of the main things that we got to get an understanding of is we got uh, to understand about eyesight. And I'm talking about developing a spiritual eyesight. Nothing I'll teach this morning will be complicated. But if you're, if you're happy the way things are, you'll miss it. I don't care how good it is for you, God's got more. I don't care how much of the goodness of God you've experienced, you've not even started yet. I don't see, I don't know how many miracles that you've been a part of or seen or, or been involved in, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Nothing. I was reading a, uh, a testimony uh, from someone in, um, in China, the underground church, uh, here uh, last week, and about a pastor was over there. And they're really developed in the, in, in the world of the, of, the, of the supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles. And they're, and they're having scores of people getting saved underground more than America is on top of the ground. Did you know that? And they had a, they had a person over there who, uh, who became sick and who died. Now, uh, anyone ever hear of Raising the Dead? You want a new twist on it? This one was dead and buried five days. And word got to the leader, and of course the family was still upset. And he and he said, "Well, come." He, he read the scripture. He, he read the scripture about Jesus and Lazarus. He said, "And he said, well, well, take me to where you laid him." I mean, this guy's embalmed. You understand? He's under the ground. He's in the casket. He, he's not in the family refrigerator. I mean, he, I mean, in the freezer back there. I mean, he's he's in, he's in the casket in the ground embalmed. And so they pray for him, or they go, to the, they go to the graveyard and the family because of what's been occurring in the church, underground church in China. They, with no reluctance, they, they dig up the grave. And they open the casket. It's been four or five days. 
And they pray for this guy. And I got his name written down at home. And this guy comes alive. Now, um, because of that, uh, word got out. Can you see that? And it kind of sparked a revival. Can you see that? And someone who came to church and was having a headache believed God could help them. Can you see that? And uh, they could just believe for anything. So this was a whole string of of testimonies that went forth and, and supernatural occurrences began to happen. God wants us to develop an eyesight, not, not of, the, of the physical or the natural, but of, but of the spiritual. And what happens a lot of times is the enemy comes in through the, through the parable of the sower. He, he brings distractions into our life and wants us to focus and think, 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 think on those things instead of the things that are good, pure, love, just, and good report. He, he doesn't want you to focus on actually who you are. And, and we've all made mistakes. We've all had setbacks. I still say most of my problems in my life have been self-inflicted. No one likes to admit that, but it's just the truth. I have made some mistakes and caused myself some own problems. Can I get a witness? Most of you, I guess you hadn't. Hallelujah. Well, uh, I guess that's why he has me preach, to help people, you know, that like me, because there's not many of y'all perfect people out there. <laughs> but most of mine have been self-inflicted. And, and, and so our, our, our senses, our five natural senses and our thinking begins to dominate around our circumstance. And when we do that, we, we've already lost the battle. See, the Bible said we've been seated with him in heavenly places. So by, by aligning ourselves in Ephesians 2, we, we, we are not here, but we are seated with him where we're ruling over principalities and powers. Because we're not of this world. We're not of this world, so if we're not of this world, he doesn't want us to function out of the system of this world or the thinking or the intellect of this world. So we, we live from another sphere, from, from another belief system. That's why Jesus was asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say, well, you're Elijah, come back. And he said, well, ain't none of them. Who, who do y'all say I am? And Peter got it right by revelation, didn't he? He said, you're, you're Christ, you're, you're the Messiah, you're, you're the Son of God. And Jesus said, man did not tell you that. That was revealed to you from heaven from my Father. So he, he would ask you the same question today. And we've posed this before. If Jesus was here and, and if he asked you, uh, what's going on in the world? Well, you could tell him all kinds of things going on in the world, especially in the political season, couldn't you? Well, this is going on, that's going on. We've got all this stuff going on. News is full of this. I mean, it's, I mean we've had a lot of news the last month. Just things going on all the time. And then if Jesus asks you this next question, well, what do you say about it? I mean, he would ask you, so what do they say about it? What do the analysts say about it? What do the experts say about it? And then you could tell them everything that, that, that you saw, read, or heard. But then if he asked you, but what do you say about it? The reason he asked you that question is because he expects you to have a different answer than the world. Why? Because you're not from here. You're not from here. I, I understand when you've been born here, you've been here all your life in, in, in a natural way. It's hard to really get our head around that. But really, you're not from here. 
You're just not. And you don't have to be, you know, 100 years old to get this want to to see, see, to see heaven. You, you ever had this want, this, this desire to think, you don't know what it is, but it's like, I kind of like to would go home for a little while or go home. Home, home. Right? Have you ever heard of a story, anyone who died, went to heaven, saw something, got a message, and came back? Anyone ever read something like that, heard something like that? We all have heard those things. There's books out and people, you know, either had an accident or something happened, died, went to heaven, saw certain things, and uh, came back and they gave testimony to it. Out of any of the pe people that you've ever heard about, have you ever heard of anyone who died, went to heaven, and, 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 and wanted to come back here? Could, could you imagine going to paradise, going to heaven, seeing Jesus and all the cool things in heaven, streets of gold, and you say, Lord, I just, well, that's not, I, I need to get back to Jimison because I, I was going to do the hedges today. <laughs> now, I know there ain't much in Jimison right now, you know. <laughs> but let, let's just say you from Hoover. <laughs> I mean, you know, in Jimerson, we, we love the little town, but you understand, you can't get everything at Dollar General. You just can't. <laughs> or our family Dollar, you just can't do it. Amen. I mean, Subway's great, but after a while, something got to give. <laughs> right? But I've never heard one instance of something. So I've been to heaven, saw Jesus, walked streets of gold, saw Moses, saw this, and, 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 and I wanted to run home and vacuum Cut some grass. Let's, let, let's just talk about a few of these, these little things about, and, and, and we use Paul for, for a moment, and we won't have to turn there, but just in reference, if it'd be good to study this out. So here's references, but we won't turn there. These, the, the, Paul had, the reason why I'm using Paul is because there was no one on earth that I know of in the New Testament that had more problems than Paul. People say, well, the reason why people have got all these problems, they're out of the will of God. Well, that means Paul was always out of the will of God. Always. The man, the man never, ever got in one day of being in the will of God. Ever. <laughs> I mean, you, you read about all the perils he was in. I mean, Paul's nickname is Peril. <laughs> Shipwrecked, you know, beaten, stoned to death, hungry. Had to lay him down, you know, in a basket over rope, save his life. Beaten with rods. I mean, can you imagine beaten with rods and, and stoned? And then the next day, after, and then the disciples got around, rose him, raised him back up from the dead, and they said, "Where well, we got to go tomorrow, Paul?" He said, "We're going back in there." I'd have needed, I would have needed a strong word. <laughs> if I go to a meeting and they stone me to death, and the revival ends in one day, I'm gonna need something really strong. So we need to go back for day two. Y'all with me? Y'all look at me like, well, you shouldn't. You know, you should be more spiritual than that. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm gonna need a word. But we see Paul with all these circumstances. We see the supernatural always flowing through him. For instance, don't turn there. But Acts nineteen twelve says, handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them. And the evil spirits went out of them. No one had ever heard of that. That, that. that Paul would just have 
he would pray over and then he would send a handkerchief to someone who was sick or diseased or demon possessed and when the handkerchief would touch the body they'd be healed or demons would, would depart out of them. No one ever heard of that. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Still happens today. Uh, other miracles, don't turn there, but Acts 14, 8, he was in Lystra and the power of God flowed from him to heal a man who was crippled who never had walked. He was preaching. He saw the man had faith to be healed. He said, rise and walk, and got him by the hand, picked him up, and the man walked. If he had used his natural eyesight and he knew the man had never walked, you know, you wouldn't do that. Another story is in Acts 16. When he was in Philippi, uh, Philippi he, he cast a, a, a spirit of divination out of a young slave girl who was into soothsaying and fortune telling and all this, and she's making a lot of money for her masters. And he cast the spirit out of her, and she, and, and, and she, couldn't tell you, uh, you know, she couldn't tell you from Houston from Miami. She couldn't tell you fortune no more. And they were making a lot of money off her, but some made a mess, so they turned Paul and uh, Silas over. And, uh, but I think the ones that stands out to me the most in, in, in one is about this. It, 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 why don't we just go to Acts chapter 16. Now remember, Paul was the one who told us to rejoice in the Lord when? Amen. Acts 16. Y'all bring your shouting clothes? The, 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 uh, so this girl's fallen, uh, verse 18, Acts 16, 18, this girl's fallen Paul around for many days and said, these men are the most high, high God, you know, you listen to them. You say, what's wrong with that? Well, I mean, nothing's wrong with that, what they're saying, but that wasn't the motivation behind it. And besides that, who wants the devil advertising your meeting? So in verse 18, it said, and she did this many days, but Paul, he was grieved, turned and said to the Spirit. See, not to her, the Spirit. The Spirit and the girl. He said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. Verse 22, And the multitude rose together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes, ripped them off, and said, Now beat them. Been that kind of beating lately? <laughs> and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, actually it was a dungeon, and made their feet fast into the stocks. Wow. Here they are preaching the gospel. This girl full, full of the devil saying these things and said Paul got, he was grieved in his spirit, got tired of this thing and he commanded that devil to get out and it, and man, that, her ability to soothsay and Tell fortunes and all this was gone and it made him mad. He got into the kitty. Paul stopped it. And, he, and here they are because of that. You think everybody would be rejoicing. They said they, he brought a lot of trouble into our city. I thought he got a lot of trouble out of it. Are y'all here? 
Still got shouting clothes on? But what is their attitude? Now, here, here's, the same, here's the same man. says, Rejoice in the Lord when? And again, I say what? The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Right? Casting how much of your care? Upon who? For who cares? If he cares, why would I? Some of y'all got some situations you can't fix. Because and, and think, here's the deal, and I know how this works. If you could have fixed him, you've already done it. How many of y'all got some situations that, that if you could have fixed it, you had already done it? We all do, right? So our attitude is just to cast them there and leave them there. And if he has them, I don't have them. That means, so we are really, truly, what? Carefree. And so you ought to tell the situation, not the person. You ought to tell the situation, I don't care. I don't, I, I don't care. It sounds heartless. I've had situations like that and people misunderstood and I, and I would teach them later. And I, and I, and I said, what, what are we going to do about this? Well, there wouldn't be any natural situation I could tell them what to do. I mean, this has happened and that's happened or this happened or this happened to them. And they say, and they're in jail. They're in prison now. Well, what am I, well, I going to say? Uh, they got a 20-year sentence. I'm going to go get them out tomorrow? I mean, what, what, what am I going to tell you? So what we would say was, sometimes we would say, if, 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 the name, if the guy's name was George, we'd say, George is in prison for 20 years. I don't care. I thought it'd get silent in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about I don't care. I'm talking about I don't take the care. You're concerned. You have a care. You have a compassion. You, you want to help, but you, you don't have the ability to do that. We've cast the care, so we don't care because why? Our Father cares. God cares. And, and we're casting the care to someone who actually can do something about it, something supernatural. Amen. Supernatural. I know a whole list of folks who's supposed to rot in prison. And many testimonies how they, I, I, in a year or two, they've been set free. Couldn't explain why that was. Jailhouse Rock, I guess. Elvis called it. So here they are, and he, he said, don't think on the things that are bad or think on the things that are good. Amen. Focus on what is good. What's going on in your life right now that's good? Well, a lot of stuff, but no, don't, I don't want to hear the butt side. That's the, that's the problem, your butt. Get your butt out of here. I said, what, what is happening that is good? Think on things that are what? Good. good. Well, this is good and that's good, but stop, stop it. Stop it already. I didn't ask you what was bad. I asked you what was what? Good. What's going on that's good? Coming to the gates with what? Thanksgiving into the courts of praise. God don't want you to come to the gates complaining. Man, if I, was, if I was God and I'm not, and you come in complaining, I shut the gate. I said, get them out. I'm, right? He said, come into the gates with what? Thanksgiving. Anyone here thankful? Anyone going to heaven? If Jesus comes today, you going to heaven? You sure of that? You've been born again? Hallelujah. That, that's good news, right? Isn't that good news? If, if today's the last day on earth, you, you, you're going to bust heaven wide open. Live somewhere called paradise. That's better than the cruise, man. And we, we're going to have a seven-year feast. Listen, man, we're going to eat seven years nonstop and won't get full. Don't matter how many carbs you have. 
Whew! Man, I almost ran on that one. <laughs> Pie, and we're going to have brownies, warm brownies, <laughs> with some ice cream, <laughs> mm. <laughs> strawberry long cake. <laughs> Ain't going to be nothing short about it. <laughs> and you trying to decide if you want to live with Jesus. Are you crazy? Verse 25, but at midnight, now, what's, what's their situation? They're locked up. They're in dungeon. How many of you think there might be some rats around? How many of y'all not real fond of rats? Now, I ain't talking about these little mice you wind up with a toy the grandkids play with. I'm talking about some show enough. You know, look like baby alligators. <laughs> and they all over the ground. Your feet, you know, you're not wearing Nikes. There's no steel-toed boots here, right? Now, here you are, and so you, you got the situation. It's midnight, and you bound into the dirt, and your feet is, is in, in stocks. You bound there. And so it's midnight. It's that midnight hour. So what does Paul tell us? Tell us that he did. Now, you understand they got many stripes on their back? And he's what? He's bleeding. Him and Silas are bleeding. Now, most people I know would be complaining. I mean, this, this could have read different. How Paul and Silas got into a, a situation with each other. Well, Silas could have said, well, I thought you heard from God. Paul, bring me over here and get my back beat like this. I tell you what, I ain't got an inch on me that ain't been lashed. I ain't never followed you no more gospel meetings. <laughs> didn't say that, did it? It said at midnight, Paul and Silas did what? And they prayed and they prayed and sang praises and hymns unto God and the prisoners what? Someone said, well, you know, I'm just not a very, I'm a quiet person. Well, that's, he didn't say they was a quiet person. It said they praised and sang so loud that the prisoners around heard them. And then I like the next two words of verse 26. And suddenly, thank God for the suddenness. There was a what? There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. I mean... There was so much praise going on, huh? That Paul's praise and worship made everybody's bond. All the doors was open, right? And the keeper of the prison, he woke out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Now, why was he going to do that? Because if they fled, they're not there. It's, it's his life. I mean, if these prisoners get gone, he's, it's over with him. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, he once again saw the doors open. He drew out his sword. He's going to take his own life. In verse 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, don't do yourself no harm for we're all here. We're all here. He didn't have to leave. Now, many believe, because of what I'm about to read, um, verse 29, and then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling, fell down before Silas and Paul and brought them out and said, Sirs, this is, this is the, the guard. What must I do to be saved? Man, this got his attention. This got his attention. 
Paul said, uh, believe. Yeah, but what, what, what I have to be saved? Did he say anything about uh, repenting of all your sins? Is that in that verse? Now, now, what's the question? What do I do to be saved? Did Paul say, now, well, now what, what all you been doing? Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Well, who's your mom and them? Uh-huh. Yeah. You live down there? Uh-oh. Your brother Johnny? Yeah, I thought so. Been smoking a little weed, ain't you? A lot of weed. Mm-hmm. So you want to know what it's going to be to be saved? Hmm. It's going to take a while, boy. Now, he, what are you telling him? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. How, how do we become saved? We believe. And if you don't believe, you do what? You doubt. So are you a believer or are you a doubter? But don't doubt you believing. Believe on the Lord and you shall be saved. And so it said, they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. So they had a house meeting. Most, most scholars said that they believed that this guard became the pastor of this city. Isn't that something? Now, but the one that gets my attention the most, and there's, there's many, we can't get into them, but we've got time for one more. Y'all got time for just one more? Yes. Go to 2 Kings. I got into the Paul story, but we have to wait. Go to 2 Kings chapter 4. My granddad said, this is a good one, son. Second Kings chapter 4. Y'all ever heard of the Shunammite woman? She lived down here in Thorsby. No, it's just kidding. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 4. Just see if y'all hear. Now, I, I, I want you to get a hold of this. It says, verse 8, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. It fell on the day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he entered in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is the holy man of God. He's passing by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee on the wall, let us set for him there a bed, a table, a stool, a candlestick, and it should be that when he comes to us, in other words, when he comes by here, he'll have a place to turn on. I mean, this is like the Motel 6 where they leave the light on, right? So they, they're going to their own expense to take care of the prophet. Verse 11, and it fell on the day that, that he did come that day, and he turned into the chamber, and, and he, he lay there. And he said to my Elisha, he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite woman. And when he called her, she stood before him. And he said unto her, he said, You have been careful for us with all care. What can we do for you? I mean, you've been so kind to us to build this nice place for us and give us a place to get out of the weather and give me a place to lay down and a 
lighting and food and such as this. He said, what can I do for you? He said, would you like me to speak for the king or to the captain of the host? And she said, no, I, I, I just want to live here around my old people. And he said, well, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, he said, well, she, she didn't have any child and her husband's old. And he said, and I'm glad it didn't give an age. <laughs> didn't care about 10 years ago, but now, you know. And he said, call her, and when he called her, he stood in the door, and he said, about this season, according to the time of life, you will embrace the son. And she said, no, my Lord, thou man of God, don't lie unto, unto your handmaid. One translation, NIV says, don't get my hopes up. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season, and Elisha said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on the day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to the lad, Carry him, carry my son to his mother. And when he had taken him, brought him to the mother, and he sat on her knees till noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she, and she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, well, wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It's neither the new moon, the Sabbath. And she said, it shall all be well. Can you see this? Now, now, now here's someone who has supernatural vision. How could you call that natural vision? And just the instances that, that, that come after this. I just kind of wrote down these one-liners about this whole story. After the the boy came back from his father with a headache and then died on his mother's lap. The, the woman could have been, she could have freaked out. When you read the story, it, she didn't even react according to the natural circumstances. She, she told her, the servant, she says, go tell my husband, you know, saddle me up the donkey here and bring him here. I got to go see the man of God. I go see the prophet. She didn't even tell her husband their son was dead. Does that look like focused on natural circumstances? On the natural? Notice that she didn't, as many do now, she didn't blame God. She didn't run to the bookstore to try to find, get, find a book, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People, which is a popular series. Notice this woman don't even scream for help. She didn't call the funeral home. Pastor Buzzy says she didn't call the fire tower or the watchtower or the prayer tower. She carried her son's lifeless body into a, to the prophet's room, Elijah's room, and laid him on the bed. She shut the door and she left. To the natural eye, nothing could be done for her son. So she's gone. She gets on the donkey. Her son is lying dead on the prophet's bed, and she goes to see the, uh, the prophet. And then uh, verse 25. So she went and came into the man of God to Mount Carmel, and it came to pass that when the man of God saw her far off, that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder, he says, I, I see the Shunammite woman coming. 
Run now, I pray to you to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered what? Oh, she said, it's, it's, it's all good. Well, let me ask you all this. Y'all with me in the story? Naturally speaking, is it all good? Is there any situation going on? Does stuff happen? Hmm? Do you know anybody else who might react differently to this? Don't raise your hand if you're talking about yourself. But I mean, we all know someone who could have reacted different. Can you imagine this woman didn't even text her husband and said, John Boy's gone? No, it's the Waltons, I'm sorry. <laughs> she didn't even tell her husband, right? She said, I, I, I got to go. And she told the driver, she said, if someone stops and wants to talk, she said, just keep on going. We don't, we don't have time to talk to nobody. That's all she said. We, we, we in a hurry. We have an assignment. Verse 27, when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone. For her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid from me. He didn't tell, he's not telling me what the problem is. Verse 28, then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I ask you for a son? Did I not say to you, don't deceive me? The NIV said, didn't I say to you, don't raise my hopes? Then he knew what happened. So he says to Gehazi, gird up thy loins and take my staff in your hand and go your way. If you meet any man, salute him not. If any salutes you, answer him not again. And that was on the double. Lay my staff upon the face of this child. Now, it, it gets really good here in verse 30. Takes on, we're going to see something about this mother. Now, remember, she already said it's what? It's well. It's well. All's well. Naturally, it's not all well, is it? Is she focusing on the natural circumstances and the problems and situations? See, to, 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 to live in the room with the spiritual, you're going to have this stuff. People say, well, if you're, if you're born again, you know, and you're a faith person, you won't have these problems. No, you'll, you'll have more of them. You'll have more of them. Whoever told you that either didn't know or they lied to you, you're going to have situations. Jesus promised you you'd have situations. He didn't promise you'd never have problems or trouble. Matter of fact, he said, I'll be with you in trouble. You can only be with someone in trouble if they got some of it. <laughs> you can only cut out joy when you fall into dire temptation if you got something that you fell into. Y'all ever fell into some stuff? You said, man, what would that? Yeah. And so here's the situation. Uh, what verse are we on? 30 what, two? 30. And the mother child said, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not leaving from this place. In other words, you remember Gehazi's already left, and he's already headed to the Shunammite woman's house. Now his instruction is to do what? Take this staff. Go up to the bedchamber that they made for me. Go to the bed where her son lay dead on the bed and put my staff on his body. Yes, sir. Take off. If anyone sees you, you see anyone, don't you stop and talk to no one. If they ask you a question, you answer not. Boy, you, you, you double time it out of here. That's pretty much what he's saying. So, so Gehazi, what? He's gone, right? <clears throat> is, the mother of the, uh, is the mother satisfied with that situation? She said, oh, no. She said, no, it ain't going to be like this. Now, we, we, we done built a chamber. We, we bought you a bed and put you a certain mattress on there. 
We got you a nice stand and a nice lamp. We got you a candle. We got you a little refrigerator. We got some groceries. We got some cookies. No, this ain't going to be no servant thing. I ain't leaving here ever. I ain't never going to leave you. I'm never going to ever leave your house. <laughs> never, ever, ever am I ever going to leave your house. I did not come to talk to the associate pastor. I did not come to counsel with the staff. I come to talk to you. And until you go, we both going to be here forever. <laughs> That's really what this is saying. <laughs> so the prophet of God, being a smart man as he is, he said, it's time to go. That's what she said. I will not leave you. And he arose and followed her. No, so there's no rebuttal to this. He said, I'm going to mean business, boy. She said, I remember I said, don't get my hopes up. Oh, it's okay. But she's saying it's all well, right? And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. What does that mean? The boy naturally is still what? He's dead, right? Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, the child is not awakened, which just simply means the boy is still dead. In other words, this didn't work. The prophet of God said, go do this. He said, I did it. What you said didn't work. I know what that feels like. Huh? We, we, we tried that. It didn't work. Well, did they turn the chariot around or whatever it was around, the buggy around? Did they turn the donkeys back around? No, no I, I can, I, it don't say it, but I believe it won't say, uh, 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 preacher. Uh, 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 that's your staff. Going, boy. Come on, baby. Come on. <laughs> we still going somewhere. Either you go on me or I'm going to go back to your house. And I'm going to have my mail sent to your house. I'm going to have my, go to the post office and all my mail because I'm going to be living at your house forever. So he kept on following her. See, I don't see all that in the scripture. But I've been a minister 21 years. I know that's what happened. I know that's what happened. He went in, therefore, and he shut the door upon the two of them. And he prayed unto the Lord, and he went up and laid upon the child and put his mouth upon the mouth and the eyes upon the eyes and the hands upon the hands and he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, I'm firing you next week. No, he said, no. He, he called him and he said, call the Shunammite. So he called her and when he was coming in unto him, he said, take up thy son. And she went in and fell at his feet and bowed himself to the ground and took up her son and she went out. Wow. She didn't see naturally. She saw what? Supernaturally. Let's finish this morning by saying this. You're my greatest calling in this hour, 2016. In heaven or earth is to be a saint. Don't take the S off. You're not an ain't, you're a saint. There is no greater purpose or privilege given to us than sonship. When Jesus was speaking of John the Baptist, he said, Among those born of women, which is everyone. There has never risen a greater prophet upon the land than John the Baptist. But then he said something in the book of Matthew that, that astounds me every time I read it. After he said, there's never been a man born of a woman 
who's greater than the prophet John the Baptist. But Matthew 11, 11 said these words, but the least saint in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. No one greater than John had ever been born. But in the kingdom of God, in this new covenant, there's not even of the least among you is not greater than John. Many Christians, and rightfully so, we know that we're in the end times. Now listen up closely. I've got two minutes. But this is what you came for. Many people in the body of Christ, if you're spiritually astute, you understand that you're in the end times. And the Bible instructs us to watch and to, and to pray and to be looking for the return of our Lord. We call it the rapture of the, of, of the, of the church, the rapture of Christians from the world. It's, it's called the return of the Christ. Another, another way of saying that is it's the day of the Lord. And, and we are instructed to be watching for the day of the Lord. However, however, before that day happens, which no man knows the day of the hour, there'll be another day that will proceed, come before the day of the Lord. And it's called the day of the saints. That's when the saints rise up. You see, the Lord's not used to losing. He doesn't know what it's like. I mean, you can't sit down and talk with him about something about, about how, how to deal with something after you lose. Because he don't know. Hmm? The Lord doesn't lose battles. The day of the Lord will be preceded by the day of the saints in which you are. The sons and daughters of God manifest in his glory in the earth. The Bible says the earth right now is groaning and groaning. Just the earth has the sound of the groans because they know it's the end times. And the earth understands these things. And the Bible says the earth is groaning. And what they're groaning for, it, the scripture says they're, they're waiting for the manifestations of the sons of this earth, of the glory of God to rise up and be who they are. The earth is groaning, waiting for us to rise up and manifest to show forth and to reveal to this earth who we are in Christ and who he is in us. Amen. Jesus said, you're in this world. Don't you think you're ever of it? You're not of this world. So you're going to have to begin to see things that others can't see so that you can say things that others can't say so that you can do things that others can't do because you're not connected to this world. You're connected to him. You abide in him and he abides in you. And you're that church and you're that voice and this is what's within you and this is who you are and this is the time and the day and the hour. If not you, then who? If not now, when? You see, you need to listen to this very well. There will come a time. We don't know exactly when it is. There are so many signs that you couldn't be shocked if we left here in an hour. There will come a time. There'll be no more sermons. There'll be no more Sunday school lessons. We'll have no more music practices or, or praise team. There'll be no more outreaches in Birmingham or anywhere else. There'll be no more altar calls. There'll be no more mission trips. Because the days and the hour and the second's going to come, the Father's going to look to the Son and He's going to say, Go! And that trump's going to blow. And if you know Jesus and you've accepted Him as your, as your Lord and your Savior, 
The Bible says you're going to be caught up with the twinkling of an eye. Those who went on before you dead in Christ, you'll rise first. And there we're going to meet him gloriously in the air. I'm talking about it in a second. I'm talking about you got two people sitting to eat lunch and one's gone. We're talking about uh, two people on an airplane. One sitting there talking to the other one. One's left and the other's gone. Uh, one of it's the pilot. Huh? Yeah. Don't be the one left. Be the one gone. With every head up and every eye open and everybody looking around. <laughs> We've all heard the other, every eye shut and knowing that we're almost ashamed of this part. I ain't ashamed of it. Jesus said, if any man come to me, I will no wise cast that man out. He said, but if you're ashamed of me in this day, he said, I'll be ashamed of you in that day. Here's the, here's the, the loving truth. This is the loving truth, the bare naked truth. If this world comes to an end or you die, and I hope no one does before that time, but if you do and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will spend an eternity in hell. Hell was never for your making. God never wanted you to go there. That was for the devil and his bunch. But through the transgression of Adam and Eve and the man and, and the choice that God has given man, God will protect your right. Although he loves you with a love that you cannot even fathom, he will, he will protect your choice to burn in eternity forever in hell. But that is not what you have to do. You have the choice today. The choice is here now, has been presented to you that you have the choice right now to, to, to choose Jesus as Lord and Savior. See, you have to understand, well, I don't know if I'd go to heaven because I'm a pretty good person. That's not a scripture, dude. That is not a scripture. Pretty good people don't go to heaven. Because there's no, Jesus said there's none good. He said every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. It's Jesus is the only man who met the righteous requirement by God of his holiness. And we've never become that except by faith in him. And we became righteous. If you don't accept the payment that was already paid by Jesus Christ, then you understand that you're going to have to go make the payment. Did you understand somebody's going to pay this? And if you don't accept Jesus as the payment, dude, you're going to pay. You don't want to pay that. Now, you, you, we may all be believers, and that's awesome. But I just can't take that for granted. So I, I, I don't mind taking two more minutes, or I, I don't mind pleading or begging whatever i got to do. You, you understand that after 10 million years in, in hell, you ain't even started? You're not even started. Do you mind after 37 billion years, you ain't even scratched the scratch of eternity? Someone said, are you trying to scare the hell out of me? You better know it. You better know it. Whatever it would take. But see, it's really the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, not the fear of hell. I mean, when I was a kid, I got saved in the fourth grade, but I, was, I became, I guess, into the age of accountability. And something, I just woke up one day and I thought, oh my God, God's coming, I'm going to hell, I know I am. And the first thing I did when I got saved that day, because I thought Jesus was coming, that, in my mind, in the fourth grader, when I came to the age of accountability, I was scared out of my, 
my mind he was going to come. I went to church that night because I didn't, I didn't know you could get saved out of church. How dumb is that? But I didn't know. And so I told my mother, our pastor will not give an altar call on Wednesday night. We don't do that. You tell him to give an altar call because this is coming. And I prayed, oh, God, God, don't come, don't come, don't come until about 745. At least don't come to them. And I got saved, gloriously saved, 10 years old on a Wednesday night when I was 10 years old, 1972. Woo, if you're trying to figure it up, it's 54. So there you go. You don't, <laughs> now you listen to the rest of the story. When I got home, I was still convinced that Jesus Christ was coming that night. So I became a soul winner. I didn't go through a soul winning class. I didn't get no techniques. I didn't get nothing. First thing I did is I went home and I went to my dad's bedroom and I knocked on the door. And he said, who is it? I said, it's Eric. I said, can I come in? And, I, and, and I'm, I'm 10 years old and Jesus is coming. I'm amazed he ain't already got here. And I said, I told him, I went to church tonight and I got saved. I said, I need to tell you something. He was laying in bed watching TV. I said, Jesus is coming tonight and you're going to hell. That's, that's just how I put it out there. I think we ain't got much time. I said, you're going to hell, Dad. You know you are. You, you don't live right. You don't go to church. You get mad. You cuss. You're going to hell. It's the only way I can get, get by that when you're 10 years old. But I, I, I really believe this, you know. And I said, you need to get saved right now. You need to ask Jesus to, and I said, forgive your sins and all that. And I said, you, I know you got a bunch of them. So it may take you a little while. But hurry up. He's, he's going to be here any minute. I really believe that. Then I got on the phone and I called my three best friends. Uh, John, Mike, and uh, I forgot the other one. And I called all of them. Man, it's about 9.30 on a Wednesday night. I'm 10 years old. And, uh, and, and, and they said, well, he's already went to bed. I said, I hate, can I please talk to him? It's an emergency. They're thinking, what could a 10-year-old have this emergency? But they let me talk to all three of them. And I told all three, I told Johnny, Jesus is coming out. I got saved just in time. He's going to come here in just a few minutes. And I know you're going to hell. <laughs> you and me? And him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we all, yeah, we's all going. Y'all going to hell. <laughs> I had a little evangelistic thing going on. <laughs> y'all going to hell. <laughs> Matter of fact, y'all still might go to hell, even if you ask him. I don't know. <laughs> Stole my lunch money. So I got three people saved that night. And I don't know about my dad. He was like, huh? <laughs> he was watching something on the uh, Channel 10, on the public channel. And, and I gave him some new information. <laughs> but before my dad left here 13 months ago, he gloriously received the Lord as his Lord and Savior. I talked to him about the prodigal son and all kind of things. And he was born again saved. And he hit heaven wide open. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. So if that's you, and you don't know that you know that you know, if you don't know for sure, you ain't, you aren't, you isn't, you ain't going to make it, you're going to burn. If you don't know for sure, absolute for sure, with every head open, no, not every head open, every eye open, <laughs> every eye open. <laughs> Y'all, uh, Elliot fixed that when he gets back off vacation. Every head still closed. Brain staying in. Every eye open. Everybody looking around. If you don't know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if an absolute certainty that you would go to heaven, would you raise your hand with me? Anyone here? You don't know for a certain. You're not absolutely certain. And if you don't know, if you don't know for sure, can you think of any reason David Dixon would say this. Can you think of any reason on earth 
that would stand up in the court of heaven why I shouldn't be praying for you today? Anyone, everyone here, you saved, you're born again. Jesus is your Lord. Y'all, y'all, y'all back there? Bill, I know you're a fisherman. You're an Alabama fan, so I know that's right. <laughs> All you Auburn fans. Now, you think it's a little off anyway. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding about that. Everyone here, you say Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You're born again, washed in the blood. You're the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus is your Lord. He's your Savior. Is that everyone here? How about y'all? Amen. Amen. And we got some Auburn fans over on this side too. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Y'all, but y'all born again, right? Spirit filled. Love Jesus. Well, see, I was wrong about that part then. Hallelujah. I don't understand it. There's some mysteries I don't understand. Because, see, I, I, think it's, I think it's coded in the name. You've got to watch that. All burn. So I like they're all going to burn to me. I don't know. So, just roll tide, crimson, blood of Jesus. I get that. I understand. Y'all, everyone here, you know, you know, you know, you know, y'all know. You're not, y'all not playing? Now, uh, you can do what I just did anywhere. Now, it may not come out that way. Probably don't need to. And Lord will use your personality. I did it kind of jokingly, whatever. That's all right, but that's okay. It, it, it's time to start checking, folks. Amen. Can, can, can you imagine the one person one day is going to say, I don't really know, and then you lead them to the Lord, and then when you get to heaven, and then they realize they miss hell? They're going to be, if they want, they're going to be one of your best friends forever. They're going to say, Whew, man, that was close, wasn't it? I'm so glad. I'm so glad you got up in my grill. Y'all know the grill is, I'm just a place. I'm so glad you got up in there. No Listerine and all. Amen. All right. Y'all happy you came? Anybody want to look, look into the supernatural realm? Anybody want to transfer to spiritual eyesight? How many, how many of y'all know y'all supernatural? How many know this book supernatural? You got born out of a supernatural situation? How many know your God supernatural? You believe the Holy Ghost is supernatural? He can be with every person on the earth at one time, knows all their thoughts. That means you can do something. That's right. He knows where the best deal is right today. Y'all need some shoes? He can take you to the shoes. He's going to leave my wife away from the store for a while. <laughs> he's, he, he's talking to my wife about like the Israelites when they stayed in, in the wilderness 40 years, wore the same clothes and they grew, and the shoes grew along with them. And, and the clothes just became okay for 40 years. How many of you women excited about having the same clothes 40 years that don't wear out? I ain't think so. How, how many of you men can get excited about all that? Uh, I mean for your wife, not having to buy enough for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how many of you like to fill up your gas tank and it'll last you for 40 years? Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, y'all can see Alabama be number one for the next 40 years. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Bible said we should touch and agree. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we just... Of course, Nick Saban, how old he, he'd be at, what, about 108 by then? <laughs> we might have to get another one. Well, God bless you. Now, uh, I'm not going to be able to be back with y'all until next month. But we hope to see you then. Have a blessed day.